welcome everybody. It's great to have all our campuses joining with us today, all the way from Kaitaia, Whangarei, City, of course, West, and uh, also uh, Sydney. Great to have everybody on board today. I trust you've had a fantastic Christmas, great time of the year, New Year, and that your year is off to a good start. <clears throat> I want to share something with you today that I trust will be a real help to you as we look forward to another year. So let me open with a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence. We just pray that through this word, this message today, you'd speak to every single person that's viewing this online, that's listening to this message. I pray, Holy Spirit, be a word of season, that your word would go deep into our hearts and you would apprehend us by the Spirit with what you want to say to us today. Give us ears to hear, minds to focus and concentrate. Help us not to be distracted, but to receive the engrafted Word of God. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Title of my message today is Decisions, Decisions, Decisions. Wow, it's a big statement, isn't it? wonder how many of you are really good at making decisions. Some of you I know are really fast, and some of you are really slow. Which one's better? Well, depends. If you're fast and make wrong decisions, then you're better to be slow and make good decisions. The worst is to be slow and make bad decisions. But life is all about decisions. And to a large extent, not entirely, large extent, your life today is pretty much a summary of all the decisions that you've made throughout the course of your life. And so one of the biggest challenges as we look forward is to make right decisions, and that way we're going to have a better year that is ahead of us. One of the things that really shocks me is that God has left us with the ability to make decisions. And yet it's such a big, big area. Because, you know, a few good decisions, we're going to go ahead. A few bad decisions, we're going to go in the wrong direction. But God has put this incredible trust in you and me and left us with the free will to make our own decisions. And despite God's power, He could force us, couldn't He, to love Him, serve Him, sacrifice, make right decisions. But He chooses not to. He leaves it with us. You know what's called? The miracle of restraint. God, who has all power, leaves us to make our own decisions. So what he actually does is this is pretty clever. He says, um, hey, look, this is, these will be the consequences of the decisions you make, good and bad. Hey, so he just tells us what they will be, but then he leads us to make the choices that we want to make. <clears throat> I don't know about you. My preference is I would rather that God forced me to make the right decision, forced me to live right, forced me to do what's going to lead to the best possible life. That'd be because that, that would save me a lot of heartache. But of course, God said, "Nah, sorry, I'm going to leave it in your hands." Boy, I don't know. That's that's. I reckon that's really scary. I look at a lot of people. He's left them. God's left them in their hands, and their life is a complete disaster. Of course, some of us or others have made good decisions and life has worked out for us. So decisions. Alfred Nobel, best known for the Nobel 
Peace Prize. What he's less well known for is the fact that he also invented dynamite as a weapons manufacturer. In 1888, Alfred's brother, Ludwig, he died. But the French newspapers made a huge mistake, erroneously publishing Alfred Nobel's obituary as if he was the one who had died. And they condemned him for his invention of dynamite, which he had actually done. And they stated this, the merchant of death is dead. Dr. Alfred Noble, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Well, when Alfred realized what they were going to say about his life, he was devastated about the legacy that he would be remembered for. So at that moment, he made one of the greatest decisions of his life. And what he did, in his will, he set aside $250 million U.S. dollars to establish the Nobel Prizes. The point is this. Alfred Nobel had the very rare opportunity to evaluate his life, even though it was near its end, but to live long enough to make decisions to change the legacy that he would leave. Wow. Can I encourage you and me? Let's make some decisions today, while we can, of the legacy that we are going to leave for other people. What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? Think about it. And then make decisions so that is what they actually say. That's what Alfred Noble did. He's not remembered for the weapons manufacturing, these weapons. He's remembered for the Nobel Peace so, life's all about decisions. You know what the good news is? God loves to help us make right decisions. Aren't you glad about that? So let me give you some scriptures of his promises to God. Make a note of these. Psalm 32 verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I mean, how good is that? If we let God, he's going to instruct us and teach us in the way we should go. I will guide you with my eye. Proverbs 33, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. One more. Isaiah 30, verse 21. When you turn to the right or to the left, your ears shall hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. I believe with all my heart. If you stay close to God, you know, spend time in prayer and the Word, you submitted to him, it's pretty hard to make wrong decisions. God will guide you in the right pathways that lead to the favor and blessing of God. In Genesis chapter 13, we see decisions in action. So here's Abraham and Lot. They're having this huge quarrel because there's not enough pasture to, uh, and water for both of their herds. So Abraham, incredible decision. In verse 9, he says this, Is not the whole land before you? If you go to the left... I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Like Abraham, what are you doing? You're letting Lot choose the very best of the land. You're going to be left with the leftovers. Verse 10 and verse 11. So Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of Eden. And so Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. 
Think about this. <clears throat> Abraham made the decision to let Lot choose the best land. Do you know why? Abraham's faith for his future was not in what the land would provide for him. His eyes were upon God. So he was quite happy to let Lot make the choice. Now Lot's faith for his provision for his future was in the land. So he chose according to what he saw. He made a carnal decision. See, the lust for things will always lead, very often, to bad decisions. That's what Eve did in the garden. Her eyes saw the apple or whatever it was and ate it. Bad decision based on what she saw with her eyes. It's a bit like, so you just take a new job simply because it pays more money. Well, you might think that's pretty smart, isn't it? No, because what's happening there is you're being led by money. The lust for finance and not being led by the Spirit of God. Now, if God leads you by a Spirit and you get more money, hey, that's great. Well, here's another one. You marry someone simply because they're really good looking. Or they're well educated. Or maybe they've got a few extra dollars in their bank account. It's not the way to choose a future partner with what you see with your eyes. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. This was a mistake that Lot made. He was led by the lust of his eyes, what he saw with his eyes. And so Abraham and Lot began like two close lines. It's like they were walking like that together. But as years went by, they were miles apart. Abraham's remembered what? Father of our faith. What is Lot remembered for? Sodom. What does it come down to? Decisions. You've got to learn with God's help to make right decisions in life. So there were two brothers, Edwin and John. Edwin was brilliant on the stage. But Edwin's brother, John, in 1865, assassinated the President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Two brothers were John Wilkie's Booth and Edwin Thomas Booth. Edwin would have retired in, sh in shame, even though he's brilliant on the stage, because of what his brother did. And he might never have returned to the stage if it wasn't for a twist of fate. A man was losing his footing and fell between the platform and a moving train. And Edward pulled the person to safety. He received a letter that thanked him for saving the life of a man whose father was none other than the U.S. President, Abraham Lincoln. Amazing, isn't it? One brother killed the president, while the other brother saved the life of the president's son. Robert Lincoln. Who was Robert Lincoln? So Edwin and John Booth. Same father, same mother, same home, same upbringing. One chooses life, the other chooses death. You ask, how could that happen? I don't know. But it does happen. <clears throat> And it's not uncommon. We see this in the, in the Bible. Abel and Cain. Both sons of Abraham, of, of Adam. Abel chooses God. And Cain chooses murder. David and Saul. Both kings of Israel. David chooses to wholly follow God. Saul chooses disobedience and loses the kingdom that he had been given. Then there's Peter and Judas, both apostles, both walked with Jesus all those three years. 
Peter chooses faithfulness to Jesus, even to death. And Judas betrays Jesus. How can that be? Both same time with Jesus. But one chooses life and one chooses, as it were, death. Most of you know that I play a bit of golf. People say to me, what's your handicap? And I say, three. And they're shocked because three is a phenomenal, that's close to becoming a professional. They say, three. I say, yeah. I said, the golf club, <laughs> the golf swing, <laughs> and the golf clubs. The, you know, the golf club that I play in the golf club. So they're my three handicaps when I play the golf ball, <laughs> the golf club I go to, and the golf swing. But actually, my handicap's much more than that. And you think I'm going to tell you? No, I'm not. It's personal and private between me and whoever else needs to know. But anyway, talking about golf, <clears throat> Curtis Strange in the Masters Golf Tournament, which is one of the big tournaments in golf. So he's on the 12th tee, and he hits the ball, and you better believe it, hole in one. Do you know I have never had a hole in one? And I'm telling you the reason why, because you guys don't pray enough for my golf. I asked, every time I go to golf, I said, I said to my wife, I, I said, hey, pray for my golf. And she kind of looks at me and says, I've got better things to pray for. And so no one supports me in my golf. So anyway, I, I forgive you all for that. But God, I've never had a hole-in-one. But this guy, Curtis Strange, he hits, he hits a hole-in-one hole and the crowd grows crazy. But then he does the strangest thing. He walks up to the golf hole where the ball is, picks it out of the hole, and he throws it into the water. And the media, like, they lose it. <laughs> and they go up to Curtis Strange and they say, why didn't you keep the ball? You know, you could have left it to your grandchildren as a memento. Curtis Strange says the most wonderful thing. He says, I certainly hope when I'm gone, I have something better than a golf ball to leave my grandchildren. I know what that is for you, but that touches my heart. You want to leave a good legacy for your family, for your children, for your friends, all the people that you're going to influence, thousands of people through your lifetime. And how are you going to do that? <clears throat> By making good decisions. You know, decisions help set the direction of our life. Right now, you've made some decisions. And it's actually already determining what this year's going to look like for you. The decisions you've made. We all make different decisions. The better the decisions, the better the result. So you, you, your ability to make decisions actually gives you your ability to shape your future, shape your destiny, shape what your life is going to ultimately look like. Can I just share with you four great Bible decisions that we actually see in Scripture? One of them is Abraham when he left his homeland to follow God's call. Do you find that in Genesis 12, 1-4? It led to the establishment of the nation of Israel and the fulfillment of God's promises. It's a great decision to leave where he was, to follow where God was leading him. Made that sacrifice, but the results were fantastic. Here's another one. What about Moses? God, you know, he's, his decision to confront Pharaoh, even though at this time in his life he's been in the wilderness, and he, he does not want to do that. He says, I can't talk. I'm not capable. No one's going to listen to me. He had every reason not to do it. And he felt incredibly inadequate. But despite his inadequacy of not wanting to lead, he made a decision. Okay, God, if you're calling me to do this, I will do this. What was the result? He led a nation, Israel, out of slavery and on the way to the promised land. 
Great decision. Here's one of the best ones. Oh, the others are just as good, I guess. But the decision of Ruth, a hard decision to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and to follow Naomi's God. It was a big decision for her to make. But do you know what it led to? Ruth's inclusion in the lineage of Jesus. We never know where a good decision, the blessing that's going to come from. One more. The disciples of Jesus, they leave everything to follow him. Matthew 4, 18 to 22. What's the result? Led to their transformation. They became apostles, were mightily used of God, and ultimately saw revival. I wonder if one of the best decisions you and I can make this coming year is to surrender our lives, forsake all as it were, to follow Jesus. You never quite know where that's going to lead you in your life. I want to give you, what, five bad decisions <laughs> that you could make. And so I want to cover those. Then I'll give you the good ones, okay? So, whole city. So the five bad decisions would be, number one, ignoring health concerns. Very practical. Don't ignore them because they don't go away. Get looked into. So if you've got health concerns, attend to it. Number two, here's a big one. I hope it's not too late to tell you this. Overspending and accumulating financial debt can lead to a lot of stress. Make a decision today, now, that you are not going to overspend and accumulate financial debt. Tell the person next to you, hey, don't overspend. They need to hear it. You probably need to hear it yourself. The third bad decision is sometimes we can damage relationships. You know, we say things, do things. And sometimes we do it even deliberately. So let's be very careful that because it can lead to a lot of stress. It can lead to loneliness, a lack of support, and you lose connection in life. So be really careful with that one. Here's a fourth bad decision is to allow fear or insecurity to determine your decisions. Because it may, pre it may prevent you stepping into what God has called you to do. Fear stops a lot of people. Insecurity stops a lot of people. And so can I encourage you not to allow those things to affect you? And then the last one is, oh, here's a big one. Another bad decision, really bad decision. Yeah, failing to seek help and support when you need it. Because all that does is increase the problem. Come on, humble yourself. You need help, go and get it. You need support, ask for it. People won't judge you. They won't condemn you. They will come alongside you. And they'll get you through. You know, you actually, let me tell you, be honest with you. You can't make it through this life on your own. God's not designed us to be independent. We've got to be interdependent. So ask for help. <laughs> get support if you need it. And uh, so th that would be the good decision. The bad decision is failing to do that. So, hey, let, let me give you seven great decisions. As you look into this coming year. Alright, you ready for this? They're not complicated. Number one, choose to serve God and love Him with all your heart. You'll never come to that place. Joshua 24, verse 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents, inspire your whole household to serve God. You know, those who are close to us follow our lead and we know Children listen with their, not these, 
with their eyes. You, actually, you wish they would listen with these sometimes, a bit more, wouldn't you? But hey, more than that, they listen with their eyes. So, hey, model uh, living for Jesus. Many of you know my story. I was saved at university, studying law and commerce, and uh, this guy who was radically saved just bashed me over the head with a Bible. He said, wake me up. <laughs> you need to be saved. You can get right or go to hell. You know? I mean, he was, he was kind of like that sort of a guy. Maybe it wasn't as that bad, but he, he did whack me over the head with the Bible. Bang, bang, bang. But you know, I needed it. Hindu family, Hindu background, hundreds, thousands of years. So nothing was going to get through. Someone had to be very straight with me. Anyway, he, he kept whacking me around, and it was pretty tough to take at times. Six or nine months later, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. That was the best decision I've ever made in my life. Hey, if you've never made that decision, please, today is your day. Give your life to Jesus Christ. But then following that, I've maybe made my second best decision of life. Do you want to know what that was? I made a decision at that time that the wisest thing I could do with my life is to sell out for Jesus and do everything I could to serve God, love him and be all he had called me to be and called me to do. And that, that decision radically changed my life, changed all my priorities, changed the whole direction of my future. That one decision that I was sold out to live for Jesus and whatever he had planned for my life because a fire had been lit in my heart. And that fire determined the decisions that I made. Now, I had no idea. I'd end up a missionary, associate pastor, then a senior pastor here at Church Unlimited and had the opportunity to travel the nations and um, step into a truly amazing, amazing life. It's incredible what happens when you put your life fully into God's hands. Fully into God's hands. Listen carefully. God can do a better job with your life than you can. Many of us think, no, no. Leave me in charge. Please don't. One of the greatest decisions you'll ever make. Give Jesus, give God the steering wheel of your life. Give him the reins of your heart. And I'm telling you, watch what God will do. It is amazing. I'm so thankful for God helping me do that. You know, once I was radically saved, I was willing to say, God, hey, God, if there's sacrifices involved here, look, Give me grace, but I'll do it. Do you know my two degrees meant very little to me? Money had very inf little influence on me because I was chasing a dream. A bigger dream than anything this world can offer. It was a dream to fulfill God's calling in my life, be it in the marketplace or be it in the church. And it has led to the very best life. Okay, give me, let me, give me the second great decision you can make. Invest in personal development. Come on, better yourself. You can do better. You can be more skilled. You can upskill yourself. How you do that, it's up to you. Get a qualification. Maybe go to some workshops. Hey, new Christian, go to the new Christians class. And, you know, all of this can lead to a better job and can lead us to greater success in life. So that's a great decision. Third decision. How we gave you the negative before. Give me the positive. Prioritize health. Because that can have an over, a huge impact on our overall well-being. So 
adopting a healthier lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I know some of you are reacting right now, but hey, exercise regularly. Come on, get out there, walk, go to the gym. What do you, where do you think I've got these biceps from? I mean, they just, they just don't grow. You know, it's too, if I bent this over, you know this, hey, it would just, this thing would just rip. So I just got to hold it down like that. No, come on, exercise. I mean, I exercise regularly, mostly with walking and golf and a few other things, but really important to do things. And eat a little bit more healthy this year. Right? Come on. Less fast foods. Less fatty foods. Just come on. Come on. Get into the broccoli. Get into the lettuce. Get into the tomatoes. Get into the cabbage. I can hear they're shouting and cheering in most campuses. I hope they are. Every I, I can I can literally hear it. You know, even though I'm in front of a camera. Because I know you guys are up for this, aren't you? Yeah, oh yeah. Maybe some of you might even become vegans. I always tell my wife I'm a vegetarian. I said, honey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great vegetarian. She says, well, what's that meat doing on your dish? I said, well, it's just only a little bit there. She said, it's more than a little bit to me. <laughs> Eat healthy. It's a fantastic decision. Your body is the temple of God. We're responsible. I'm responsible to look after. That would be a fantastic decision that you can make moving forward this year. <clears throat> I've got a few more decisions, so stay tuned. Number four is, this is one of, the, one of the best, right up the top there, a decision this year, this year. You're going to get into church every Sunday with your family, if it's at all possible. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves, as is a manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Can I encourage you as pastor? Something I've done all my life, 40 years of it, being a Christian, maybe a bit more than that, just getting to church. It does more good for us than we realize. I know it's an effort sometimes to get there. Maybe it's a bit wet and cold and all the rest of it, getting the kids all dressed in it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. The things God asks us to do are only for our good. He said, come on, don't forsake getting together with God's people. Make that decision this year. You will never, ever regret it. You'll be, you want to leave a legacy to your family? That's one of the best legacies I believe that you can leave. So here's a fifth decision. I said I'm going to give you seven. <laughs> Follows on for the last one. A decision to spend time with God every day. Come on, open up this book. You've heard me talk about, you know, revival of Bible reading. What about this year? Personal Bible reading revival. Get into the book, get into prayer each day. Just spend some quality time with God. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like much is happening. But look, you know, each time you eat some food, you don't think much is happening. But it is. It's nourishing you. It's strengthening you. You go without food for four or five days, you're going to start feeling very, very weak. Well, even after two days, you'll feel very weak. Your, your physical life will go down. It's the same with this. Two or three days without praying the Bible reading, your spiritual life just starts to wane. just starts to go down then you're more vulnerable to temptation. You're more vulnerable to, you know, being defeated by the enemy. It just, it all goes south. So this is the year. This is the year. We said, this is the day the Lord has made. <laughs> Can I say, this is the year the Lord has made. The year I got into the Bible. The year I got into regular times in prayer. The year I got into church every Sunday. Number six, invest time 
in building quality relationships. Life's all about relationships. You know, I often hear people say, as the years go by, boy, I'm, I'm lonely. I haven't got friends, da-da-da. You know, I don't know enough people. Well, right now, if we invest with people, relationships, um, you know, <laughs> if you only want friends with people who are perfect, guess what? You ain't going to have any friends. You've got to overlook a lot to maintain good quality friendships and also love everyone in your household. That is so very, very important. And the last one, which you probably hoped I wasn't going to get to, I'm sorry, campuses. I'm sorry, everybody. I've got to it, the last one. And this probably ranks right up there as well. No matter what happens in your life, hurt, pain, abuse, disappointment, choose right attitudes. Always have a positive response. Your ability to choose is a, a, a gift or a right no one can take from you, ever. So you can choose to respond right, kind, lovingly, you know, with a, a good spirit, keeping your heart right, not getting bitter and twisted and angry. Whatever is happening, whatever you're facing even today, and whatever comes up throughout the course of this year, can I encourage you, make a decision today that you'll always choose a right attitude. So, how to make right decisions as I wrap this up. Number one, surrender your will to God. And that's the key to making right decisions. If, if your will is surrendered to God, then God can lead you, can guide you, and show you the way that you should go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding, and He will guide and direct us. So our will, you need to say, God, I'm surrendered to your will. Present your body a living sacrifice, Romans 12 says, on the altar of God. Number two, learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Speak to mature sons of God. As we grow in our walk with God, we're going to be increasingly led by the Holy Spirit, increasingly make right decisions. So let's grow in our relationship with God. Number three, the peace of God. This is so important. Question 3, 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Be, let the, in other words, let the peace of God be the umpire in your decision making. I always say to people, don't proceed if there's no peace. You're saying, shall I do this? Shall I do that? Shall I go in this direction? If there's no peace in your heart. That's what that Bible says, you know. And what that verse actually says, let the peace of God be the umpire. Let that help you make the decision of which way to go or what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Do not proceed without the peace of God. But here's a trick to this. Sometimes you feel peace because you're doing what God wants you to do. Okay. One last point. Here's a big one. Have wise counselors. Proverbs 24, verse 6. In the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. There is safety. Can I encourage you? Throughout this year, I encourage myself as well. So important that we have wise counselors around us. If I were you to say to you right now, who are your two or three counselors that lead you, that guide you, that you discuss things with? Could you name them? Are they people of maturity? Not just your friends, not just family, people of maturity? Do you have some counselors around you? Because the Bible is very, very clear, isn't it? Proverbs 24, 6. In the multitude of counselors. That means not just one. 
number of counselors. There is wisdom. There is safety. Wow. That is such an important truth. Can I encourage you this year? Please have counselors, wise counselors around you to lead you and guide you in the pathway of your life. So decisions, decisions, decisions. What legacy do you want to leave? Alfred Noble had time to determine what his legacy would look like. And we have the same opportunity today. You can make right godly decisions. Step into a future of God's favor and blessing and leave a fantastic legacy. May God help you this year to make right decisions. And may you step into the favor and the blessing and the goodness of God in your life. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today. I trust that you will enjoy the rest of your service. Thank you, campuses, for being with us. Hey, God bless you all. Amen.